Um, I was reminded, um, somebody had asked a while back that was new to the church, like if you have a prayer request that you wanted to share with the body, but you're scared to death to come up front and speak into a mic, is there a way to do that? Yes, there is. There are these prayer cards back by, this wasn't a plug for the offering boxes, but back by the offering boxes. It just worked out that way, I promise. Uh, so you can fill out a prayer card that way. There's a place for you to check that it's confidential if you want only the pastors to see it or that the you know church can be praying for it and they just drop it in the box. And that's that. Okay, this is, as I said earlier, Christmas week, and um, I tend to dread Christmas messages, uh, which might sound weird, but it's because you feel like you have to come up with something that is just extra special or different from every other Christmas message that's ever been preached, and it's like, no pressure. It's kind of like Christmas morning when the kids all run down into the, you know, the room where the presents are and they, and they have this eager anticipation of what's about to happen and you want them to be pleased and you want them to be excited about it. And that's how I, that's how I picture you guys, you know, not in your jammies so much, (laughs) but you know, you come expectant and that makes it kind of hard. And, and just to kind of a self-confession, um, I always feel a little guilty around Christmas and Easter that they don't mean more to me than they do. And I felt funny about that. Like, this is, this is Christmas, for Pete's sake. This is Easter. You should really... And, and I used to feel funny about it. And then I realized the reason that it's, it's not more to me is because I don't just think about Jesus once or twice a year. I think about him every day. I think about who he is and what he's done for me every day. And I hope that's true for you, too. So, you know, with that, you know, now that I've set the expectation level nice and high... <laughs> I mean, the truth is, if you come to the door on a regular basis, you know that what we're going to focus on today is what we focus on every week here, because there's nothing more important for us to talk about or to dwell on or to celebrate than Jesus. He came to die for sinners. He came to rescue us by living the life of perfection that we couldn't live by suffering and dying in our place on the cross, and then by conquering death by rising from the dead. Those who believe in this will be saved and will enjoy a relationship with God and and enjoy his kingdom forever. This is the good news that we preach all year round. And we need to be reminded of continually, especially in a year like this, when there's not a whole lot to be hopeful about or to to be, um, you know, excited about, I guess. And this is why we we repeatedly encourage you guys to preach the gospel to yourselves every day. And, And it's not like so that you can be saved over and over again. It's just to be reminded that there is a God who loves you. And, and that has provided a way for you to be in relationship with him. I need that every day. I, I know you guys do too. You can't remind yourself of that enough. Well, I've also had the good fortune of landing in a section of the book we've been currently in, First Peter, in case you're wondering why that's up there. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way, but I landed in a spot that, that works for a Christmas message. And I'm going to take full <laughs> advantage of that because I don't have to go out there and you know try to recreate something or find something it's right here. It doesn't always work that way, by the way. It has several times for us uh, in the history of the door. There's been times when at Christmas, it's like we're in John 1, 1, and at Easter, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, and it's like, yes, this is great. But like, for instance, in Lapine this morning, where the fellers have been going through James, this is the passage that they would have been in. James 5, 1, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Merry Christmas, everyone, you know, see, mine's not that David did say he's going to go to a different place than he's not going to try to make that into a Christmas message. Praise God. 
Uh, for the rest of us today, we will be uh, here in uh, verse 20 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. You can turn there now. In verse 20, speaking of Jesus, it says, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. There are three main things these verses tell us that we're going to talk about in more detail this morning, and they are this. Jesus was known before creation. He was made manifest to us, and he was raised from the dead in glory for our faith and hope. So it's kind of the who, when, and how of our salvation. The first thing it says in verse 20 is he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Now this just doesn't, it doesn't just mean that Jesus was, was known before the world was made. That's obvious because the Bible tells us that he has existed eternally as part of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He, he's always been. It's also obvious since he's the one who's given credit in the Bible for creating everything. Okay, in Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's quite a statement. So Peter uh, pointed out that Jesus was, was known before the foundation of the world actually refers back to where we were at in verse 19 last week, where Jesus is described as the precious lamb of God, who pays our ransom and takes away our sin. So foreknown is telling us that what Jesus would do was known beforehand. Does that make sense? This, this has massive implications, by the way. It means that the plan of salvation was in play before you and I were created. Revelation 3.18 calls Jesus the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. God had already devised a plan to redeem man and Jesus was chosen to be that redeemer. That means he was always plan A. God's plan wasn't realized until Jesus went to the cross, but that was always his plan. And not only was the plan of salvation known beforehand, but those who were going to be saved were also known beforehand. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. There's that phrase again. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. This blows my mind to think about. That means that he, before time began, he had his sights set on me. I mean, now I know me better than you guys do, but that's remarkable. If you're a believer, he had his sights set on you before he made anything. You were in his mind. And he knew everything about us beforehand, right? The good, the bad, and a lot of, a lot of ugly, unfortunately. And, and he still thought, I want to, I'm going to save them. I'm going to come. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to do this. That plan was in place. It gives me great comfort to know that God has a definite plan and that our salvation isn't just up for grabs. He isn't just haphazardly hoping that everything falls into place. He has a plan. Uh, several years ago, I was talked into watching a television show called Lost. You guys remember this? I'm not recommending it because I never recommend anything because you find out later like, oh, oops. So just just an observation. Uh, it started out pretty promising if you watched it. It's like, this this could be really good. But after a few episodes, I realized the title Lost 
was actually describing the people who were making the show that were writing this stuff. It's like, these guys don't have a clue where this is going. They're making it up as they go along. It became really obvious up to the very end. It was like, yeah, this was just bad. Uh, kind of a cool show, but just you're, you're clearly making it up. That's not what our God is like. He knows the beginning from the end. He stands outside of time and everything that happens works to fulfill his perfect plan. There's never a time when he's surprised or has to react to something. And we as his children, if we believe that, it produces a calm and a comfort when things seem bleak or or when things seem out of control. I remember Spurgeon one time talked about the sovereignty of God being like that pillow that we can just lay our head upon. And I like that because I like to sleep and I like pillows. But but that's that's a comforting thought, isn't it? I can't see the beginning from the end, but I can trust in the one who can. It reminds me several years ago, uh, I can't remember if it was the Thompsons or if it was my brother's family, but but we were going to go on a trip together. And I say several years ago because this was before cell phones were, were common. Um, they might have had those big brick-like ones, but we didn't have one. So we used walkie-talkies. On, the, on this trip, we were in two cars and th- this was brilliant. You know, we, we had kids and we thought this will be perfect. So if, if somebody needs to stop, go to the bathroom or get gas, you just radio back to the other car. And, and this was, you know, fantastic. There was a better thing that, that came about, though, that we weren't even expecting is, is that when you, um, you know, when you're traveling, if you're like me, the, the goal is to get there as fast as possible with as little stops as possible. And if you pass a car, you don't ever want them to, you know, you don't have to do it again. So that's that's just so, you know, my frame of mind. So what happens is David, I'm just going to say it's David, not my brother. It'll work that way. So David's in front. He's got a walkie-talkie. There's a slow car in front of us. He passes the slow car, and then he can radio back to me on these curvy, windy roads and say, hey, there's nothing coming. You can pass. Fantastic. So blind corner, I can't see what's around, but David said it was okay. Now, if if this was a guy, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you laughed at that. <laughs> If this was a guy that didn't like me or had a vendetta against me or was just a big practical joker, I probably wouldn't have gone for it because I had those friends, you know, you go around the corner and it's like semi, you know, ha ha, it's not funny. But, but this is a guy that I knew loved me and cared about me and my family. And so I didn't, I didn't worry about it. It was cool to just know that I can do this. Now, the person that wasn't very fond of this plan was the car, the person in the car that we were passing because all they saw was like, you know, this guy's an idiot. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus... Jesus has already blazed a trail and he's already at that final destination. He's prepared a place for us that where he is, we can be also. And he he can see around all those corners. He's already at the destination. He knows what's coming. He knows what's ahead of us, even though we can't. So we can enjoy our trip. So before any of us were ever created, God had chosen a savior and a plan of salvation was in place. That's the who of our salvation. Now we're going to look at the when of our salvation. Verse 20 says that Jesus was made manifest. What does that mean? To to manifest something means to make something known or to reveal it. My grandkids are getting ready to manifest a giant pile of presents that are in my living room on Friday. And uh, I predict a flurry of chaos and wrapping paper, and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, Jesus was, was manifest Nearly 2,000 years ago, the long-awaited Messiah came to a little town in Bethlehem, to a lowly manger, and he was revealed. And I don't know if you're like me, but seeing something as opposed to just imagining something makes all the difference in the world. Um, when Joy was, was pregnant, 
uh, with each of our children, I knew there was a baby in there. I, I watched her stomach grow. I saw the ultrasound. I heard the heartbeat. I heard it hiccup or heard them. It, I heard them hiccup. Uh, I could, I could feel them kicking. Sometimes you could even see like a foot, you know, go across. It was just, I mean, there's clearly a baby in there. I knew it in my head, but the reality of who they were never sunk in until they were born. And I saw them until they were manifest. And guess what? I bawled like a baby every time, <laughs> every time. The reality of who God is doesn't really sink in until we see Jesus arrive. We know he's there, right? We know God's there. We know he exists, but seeing is believing. And this is what God has done for us by revealing Jesus to us. This is why we celebrate Christmas. A God we couldn't fathom or imagine or really know became somebody we could know. Somebody we could, you know, talk to, see, touch, understand. The book of John describes it this way. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word. Uh, the, the word is another name for Jesus. In the Greek, it's logos. When God wants to say something, he does it through the word. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 14 tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. That's who Jesus is. Hebrews 1 Verse 1 adds this, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, who through him also he created the world. And then listen to what it says about Jesus in verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. If you want to see and know what God is like, Look to Jesus. Look at Jesus, right? Do you remember, you remember Philip kind of telling Jesus one time, hey, you know, just show us the Father and we'll be happy. And Jesus, what did he say to Philip? Yeah, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The message of Christmas is God came to us. All other religious have us trying to ascend to God. Christianity has God descending to us. It's amazing. And this is really good news because I don't know about you, but I don't have a very tall ladder. Uh, if it's up to me to come up with a ladder to get there, I, I'm not, I'm not going to come close, but people think they can. That's one of the biggest tragedies that I've, people are convinced. Most people are convinced that they're, they're, they're already there or they're just, just inches short. Remember those signs when you were a kid, when you wanted to go on the, the grown up ride, you know, be like, you must be this tall to ride. And so you'd try to stand on your tippy toes or, you know, just, Spike the mullet up a little bit if you grew up in my era. That you just hope that somehow the person would say, you know what, that's close enough. Go ahead, kid. And I think that's what most people are hoping for. If they fall a little short, that God will just give them a pass as though they're just a little short. And if that's what you're thinking, I need to warn you that trying to reach God by being a good person is as futile as what we read in the Tower of Babel. Um, you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? And, and again, their motivation wasn't to try to, to please God. They were actually coming against him. But they had this plan. We're going to band together and we're going to build a tower and we're going to go show God who's boss. We're going we're to build this right up. We're going to go right up to his front door with this tower and just raise our fist. And I love what it says. It says that, that God uh, came down to see what they were up to. <laughs> and it's, again, it's, it's human language. God knows everything. He doesn't need to come down. But it, I picture him like with one of those telescopes, like at the Sun River Observatory, like going, 
Oh, what are they up to? Oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? Look at what they made. Oh, bless their hearts. You know, that kind of thing. They weren't close. They were a million miles away, but they acted like, you know, we can get there. That's what we're talking about here. We're not a few inches away. We're a million miles away from holiness. And if you're counting on stacking up your good works to please God to gain entrance into heaven, you're in big trouble. And the sad truth is that this is the plan that most people are banking on. A study just came out uh, this last week that said 52% of people that call themselves Christians, 52% of people that call themselves Christians don't actually believe the gospel. So, so they, they, they believe in some form of works-based righteousness instead. They believe that Jesus you know, probably went to the cross and did something, but that that wasn't sufficient on its own, that we need to do something. We, we need to add to that in some way. That's not the gospel. The gospel message is that Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness, and we receive it by faith. That means that only Jesus can bridge the gap that exists between us and God. He's the only ladder that exists to get us there. And when Jesus said it is finished, it was because there was nothing left for us to do except believe and receive it. If there was another way for us to be saved, would God have sent his precious son to the cross? I mean, think about that. If there was another way, why would he have, why would he have allowed his son to be crushed for us? if we could have just gone this direction and found another path to God. There was no other way. He loved us enough to send us his son. That is the only answer, but praise God, there is a way, right? So it's important for us to know that God had a plan, that he sent Jesus to save us. But in verse 21, it adds a very important detail that solidifies everything. Verse 21 says that it is through Jesus that we believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith and hope are in God. God raised Jesus from the dead in glory, and our faith and our hope are anchored to that. So, you know, some people might say that it's pretty far-fetched to believe what we believe. You know, that before time began, you know, long ago and in a galaxy far away, it almost sounds like one of those stories, right? Once upon a time, there was a God who made a plan, and then he sent the hero to come riding in to save the day. I mean, you can see how people would say, oh, you guys believe in a fairy tale. Have you ever been accused of believing in a fairy tale as a Christian? I have. And as we all know too well today, it's easy to make claims. People make claims all the time. My Facebook feed is full of claims. Uh, the problem is that you have to have evidence to back up those claims or they're just silliness. And this is why the resurrection is so important. It puts a definitive exclamation point on everything we've been talking about. Three days after being beaten beyond recognition, dying on the cross, being buried and sealed in a tomb, Jesus walked out and was seen by hundreds of people. He came back to life, which is supposed to be impossible. Right? One does not simply come back to life after they've died. Jesus did. And it says that he walked out that God raised him in glory. So, so that means he walked out of the tomb in a glorified state. 
It wasn't like he was barely breathing or barely alive. Like, you know, can you imagine what it would have been like if he, if he didn't really die? There's that theory out there that he just swooned or that he kind of died, just mostly dead. I guess that's, sorry, that's, I shouldn't make a, shouldn't do a Princess Bride reference in regards to that. But, but there's a theory that he didn't, he wasn't really dead. That three days he just kind of suffered and then he kind of came to and he came out. Can you imagine the state he would have been in at that point? I mean, come on. Think of all the stuff that happened to him. And he's just going to come, you know, walking around and, you know, jog. He went on a seven mile hike to, it's no way. He came out glorified. If God had not raised him in glory from the dead, we wouldn't even be here today. None of this would matter. But since he did raise him from the dead, everything we believe about who he is and what he came to do is authenticated and our faith and our hope is authenticated also. Have you ever believed a, in a story that, that hasn't been authenticated and then got caught? pretty embarrassing. I see that on, you know, people post things all the time that are like, they'll say something and it's like, I don't think that's believable. And you'll check it. And you know, there's those people that are gifted in that, in that area where they'll come into your Facebook feed and just say false, you know, call you. (laughs) It's like, thank you for, for existing to do that for me. There's, but it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you get found out. And, and, and the, and the cool thing about this is the resurrection of Jesus is something we can believe with confidence and never have to be worried about being embarrassed over. In fact, Romans 10 says this in verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There are a lot of people out there that will make fun of us and mock us for our faith. But Jesus will not allow us to be put to shame. One day he will vindicate us. I got to say, believing in Jesus, hands down, the best thing I've ever, that's ever happened in my life. I, I can't imagine not having him. That God had a plan, that he sent his son, and that he included us in this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to any one of us. All of my faith and hope are in God for this life and for the life to come. You know, faith and hope are two of the most powerful anchors available for your soul. The problem is they're only as good as the object they're anchored in. In 2020, I've watched a lot of people, you know, their faith and their hope just get dashed upon the rocks because the things they were hoping in, the things they were counting on, they weren't worthy of their trust. They weren't worthy of their hope. What is it that you're trusting in right now for your future? What are you anchored to? Is it something proven and worthy of your trust? Christ is. Is your foundation firm through the fiercest drought and storm like we sing? Or is it something that a storm can easily dislodge and just send you flying? I hope that this morning your faith and hope are securely anchored in who Jesus is and in the resurrection. This Christmas just... Remember that as you sit around and you do all these other things, just remember that God sent us a savior and that savior accomplished what God sent him to do to save us from our sins. And he proved that by raising from the dead. Praise be to God. Receive that by faith and live. Father, thank you so much for the Christmas message, Lord. It's the same message that that we rely on day in and day out as Christians. I pray, Father, that if there's anybody that's here today or that's listening, that's never fully surrendered their life to you, never turned from their sin and turned to you and and cried out um, for forgiveness and cried out for salvation, that they would do that today, that they would put their trust in the Savior that you have sent. 
Father, thank you that you uh, didn't leave us the way we were. You could have, uh, but you loved us, and you, and you sent the most precious thing imaginable to secure us. And we're grateful for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.